I can't believe you guys work out on duty. Don't you have better things to do? Please explain to me what you would rather me be doing. You want me to be a fat piece of... What's up, my brothers and sisters? Welcome to the Fireground Fitness Podcast, where we talk about all things pertaining to life on and off the fireground. The views and the opinions are those of the host and my guest. Today, we're talking to a brother by the name of Jason Patton. He is uh, well known for the Fire Department Chronicles, a series of videos that are on YouTube, Instagram, etc., and uh, a f- funny, funny, funny dude out of uh, Florida. Uh, in the recent past, he got involved with Fire Department Coffee and is a vice president of that organization. And we talk about all these things and much, much more. Please enjoy. Jason, I really appreciate taking the time to sit down and wrap with me today. And uh, I want to talk about uh, your journey in the fire service. You know, I know you're deeply involved with Fire Department Coffee and you have your your uh, social media stuff, the videos you're doing with Fire Department Chronicles. And, um, but before we get to all that stuff, which is why everyone's tuned in today is to hear about that. But before we get there, I want to hear about your, you know, your journey in the fire service, how you ended up as a firefighter and got into this crazy profession. Yeah, man. No, first off, I appreciate you having me on, dude. Um, honestly, I was a mechanic and I know you, you talked to a lot of firefighters, first responders in general, you know, whether they're police officers or paramedics, EMTs or, you know, uh, firefighters. And it's like a generational thing. Like their father brought them to the fire station, that kind of thing. I actually uh, was raised in a house where uh, my father was a mechanic and became a service director and moved up that way. So my first part when I turned 18, literally the day I turned 18, I became a uh, mechanic. And I was doing that for about two years, two and a half years, maybe three years. And um, one of my buddies came up to me and he's like, hey – like I just went to EMT school. I loved it, man. It was so cool. So I was like, ah, you know what? I'll try it out, man. It was like a kind of a leap for me because I was so comfortable in what I was doing. And I was like, you know, I mean, I suck as a mechanic. So just, just in case <laughs> what, anyone's What stuck. type of mechanics were you doing? Uh, I started off with Ford. Uh, it, and with them, I, you kind of went through the entire gamut. So you were like one month because you were going through school and being a mechanic at the same time. Oh. So. You were like one month you were doing windows, one month you were doing transmissions, one month you were doing heavy line, you know, stuff like that. So, and then once I left there, I went to up, I went to Chevy and the place I worked for, you did everything. The only two specialties were like, the three specialties were like transmissions, heavy line work, like really, really heavy line work and uh, drivability specific. So, um, you did everything. You took motors out, you worked, you know, wind leaks, water leaks, you know, stuff like that. So, But uh, I was poor. I was just atrocious. Well, well so, I mean, so like, let me ask you this. A lot of guys get into mechanics because it's like super enjoyable. It's, it's a hobby, right? They start doing yeah. it because they just love wrenching. Was it sort yeah. of just like a default for you or did, were you into it? No, no. I No, I hated it. I sucked. <laughs> I just sucked. Uh, you know, like, look, there's nothing more satisfying then, you know, and this is what I think a lot of guys, when you get into it, man, like I, I love changing my own brakes like that. I, right. I love doing that because it saves me money and, and it's in simple and it's nice work with my hands, you know, stuff like that. Right. So, you know, everybody pictures the same thing. Like you get this nice, like 1968, you know, uh, Mustang and change the motor. I put new headers in it. You know, you, everything's <laughs> like you give it a tune ups and then you, you fire this thing up and, and then you're driving down the street spraying NOS like. That's not how it goes. <laughs> like, right, yeah, most right. of the time, like, you know, like for me, it was like 
when you put a motor together and it runs perfectly, it is so satisfying. But when you put a motor together and you're missing a bolt and you realize you <laughs> left it in the motor, like that's not satisfying. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You've created 12 more hours of work for yourself. Oh, dude, so bad. So oh. bad. I mean, some people can't relate to that because they're just perfect, but I was not. So, well, um, hold on. Let me interrupt you real quick. Uh, my foray was uh, at a young age, I got into uh, VW Bugs and mm. I, uh, was wrenching on, you know, pulling motors and it was pretty, they were super easy to work on. But what I found, mm. which was crazy frustrating for me was I was so broke that it was all the car I was working on was always my daily driver. So yeah. no matter what I did, like it had to be fixed and had to be done today, right? Cause oh. I got to get to work tomorrow. <laughs> and so that to me was always just the, like I enjoyed it. But it was such a it was such a pressure cooker, right? It was always so frustrating because it had to be done uh, in order yeah. for me to get my butt wherever it needed to be the next day. So that part and was that's just, not fun. No, it yeah, was horrible. No, and so to this point, now I'm like, now I hate working on my car because <laughs> because that I'm like, I, it's ruined it for me. Yeah. So dude. now well, I'm like, fun, forget like, it. <laughs> when I got into mechanic school, like first day we're sitting there. I've never touched a motor in my life, and my dad. My dad did it. He enjoyed it. He was good at it. But, you know, we never really worked on cars together or anything. Um, you know, especially since he worked at a damn place. He didn't want to work on oh, cars together. Yeah, by the time he was home, yeah. he was done, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but like the first day of school, these guys were like, yeah, man, I threw new headers on there. Awesome. Blah. Look what a block you got. Like, like they're, they're talking about, you know, all this stuff. And I'm like, I have no clue what you guys are talking about. Like everybody <laughs> in that place loved mechanics. And I was like, I don't know what any of you are talking about right now. Right. Uh, so <laughs> when, and then the same thing happened when I got into being a firefighter was I walked into that, not having a single knowledge about anything, but you so, know, a lot of people, a lot of people, when they talk about their journey, man, I got lucky because I know, I know about the two things that people want to know about in life, how to work on cars and your own body. So I left out there. So, <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah. So it makes you easy, easily accessible at parties, right? There's always something to, you know, <laughs> yeah. talk about the, uh, <laughs> yeah. so, so you went to EMT school, right? So mm -hmm. how many years are you at post high school into your kind of uh, mechanic career? So I was like, I actually, I actually dropped out of high school in ninth grade. Um, Damn. I was not a good, yeah, I was, I was not a good student. I've essentially been not good at anything in my life until I got into uh, making some decently funny videos and being a firefighter. Those are the only <laughs> two things I've ever been good at in my life. Thank God. Hey, um, we, but, I, we all find our, we find our path, man. It's a, you found <laughs> yeah. your calling. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I dropped out in ninth grade. Um, went to this thing called Eagle Academy. It's like a boot camp for kids. Um, Came out, uh, came out of there, worked at a bagel shop for a little bit. Then when I was able to, I went right into mechanic school. And then I, I worked, I was probably 21-ish, 21 when I went to EMT school, um, then went directly into paramedic school, took a, took about a year break after, after that, and then got into fire school when I was 24 and uh, was hired at 25. Dang. So well, I'm going to go back for a second. Tell me a little bit more about this boot camp for, for kids. What was that like? Uh, it was, it was interesting, man. It was, you know, it, it was, it was exactly what I needed. Uh, you know, the, mm. the, the recidivator, like the, the, um, 
the uh, success rate of Eagle Academy was not super high because it was a lot of really young kids. They couldn't be forced to go there, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. The ages were like 13 to 16 were the, the ages you were allowed to be in there. But I just was messing up a lot as a kid, not not doing the right things. You know, I, I wasn't so much a bad kid. I wasn't disrespectful, but I just like couldn't find a path. I was screwing up in school, got expelled from school. Then, you know, couldn't find a good place in life. And, you know, my parents were just tired of me at that point, dealing with me being, you know, an asshole. Um, and then, so we found this Eagle Academy. I got accepted. I'd write a letter to get in, got accepted. And it was life changing, man. It got me away from, got me away from all the people that were kind of, they weren't, I don't want to say they're forcing me to do bad things because they're all my choices, but they, you know, weren't allowing me to maybe go down the path that I needed to go. So pulled me away from all my friends and all my friends for six months, found out who my real friends were, which was one of them, the only person that wrote me. And then uh, kind of allowed me to reset and put me on a good path. Wow, man. That's, you know, the, I had the opportunity to participate as a young, as a, when I was a young adult, fresh out of the Marine Corps, um, Mm -hmm in a an organization called Anasazi and it, they do like a wilderness type of intervention. And mm. what they do is they take these kids out and they do like a primitive living type situation. And mm. you know, you're, you're busting a coal with a fire friction and stuff like that. And you're, you know, the only food you eat is like these raw food that you're given and you have to prepare it yourself. And wow. if you don't make a fire, you can't cook your food. And the other, the other thing I thought was really interesting was everybody wore like plain clothes, Right. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, my, the point in that was like, we're separating you from the world and separating you from the current path that you're in. So I think it's interesting yeah. cause that's kind of a similar thing that you did, right? You got separated from these influences that, you know, like you said, you know, you were making your own choices, but we are oftentimes, you know, a mixture of our surroundings, right? We're, we're, mm-hmm. we've balanced out what the people are surrounded by. And um, that and I think in life, what happens a lot of times and we see this with first responders with mental health issues, you you dig yourself a hole mm -hmm. and and it's not that you want to be in the hole and you don't do it overnight. You don't throw dynamite in the ground, blow up a freaking giant crater, jump in like it's it's over time. These these small things, these, you know, the, the micro calls or even things before you become a first responder, you see bad stuff. You don't know how to cope with it. You know, you create these bad pathways in your head. Yeah. You know, for me, I just dug myself such a crappy little hole and I didn't understand how to get out. And then my, you know, I just wasn't doing well enough in school. I wasn't going to be able to catch up. So I was bound to fail. Yeah. And when I went to Eagle Academy, what really, what really set me on a good path, man, I walked in there with like, you know, whatever the lowest GPA of an F you can get. And I graduated with the highest academics for a high school student. Damn. Like it, it, it was incredible. Right. I, I found that once I was put in a good direction, I was actually intelligent or I was intelligent enough to, to be able to conceptualize things, understand stuff, and then, you know, utilize them in actually learning skills. Right. So did you find that was huge? Did you find that once you began to taste a little bit of success that it kind of magnified? Yes, dude. A hundred percent. When I, in fact, for me, it was it was like almost anxiety stricken fear to never go back mm. because I had found my path. I was I was good. I was finally good. Have I screwed up and done stupid stuff since? Absolutely, because that's a normal pathway of life, right? Yeah. But um, you know. I found what I want. I enjoyed being good. I enjoyed not being the bad guy. And, and man, I, I held on to that as tight as I could. Yeah. 
No, that's amazing, man. I think it's so important to for us to reflect back on these things, right? These pivot points in our life where you go, here's the direction I was traveling. Here's why mm-hmm. I was traveling down that path. Here's the influence that came into my life and redirected me. So, yeah. you know, and then you have a friend who's like, hey, dude, check out this EMT over here. Check this out. And you're like, hmm, interesting, right? So redirects, right? It pull, pulls you into a yeah. different direction, which is huge because, you know, you might have been down that path of, auto mechanics and just miserable and just like, well, miserable, I dude. guess I'm resigned to this and this is all I got. Um, you know, and again, like some of those guys love it. I, I remember yeah. leaving there. Some of the guys are like, this is the greatest thing ever. So I just want to work on cars all day and they're so good at it. They love it. They're so good at it that they right. make a ton of money. Right. I was not because I was constantly working on my own screw ups. Like it was, <laughs> like, it was just bad <laughs> all the time. Does, yeah. uh, d- just a random question here, but is typically, uh, is it kind of piecework? So what do you mean? Well, so you get a pro like they give you a car and you're like, Hey, this needs a new, uh, radiator. And so, uh, you know, you get paid per piece, not like if it takes oh, you five yes. hours or an hour. So no, I was flat rate. So, oh, okay. um, you know, it was, you got, yeah, you, here's the radiator you need to replace. It pays you 1.2 hours to replace it. Right. I hope you get it done in 1.2 hours. That kind of thing. Right. Oh, goodness. What uh, mm-hmm. what part of what part of the country you grew up in? I was actually born and raised in uh, South Florida. Oh, okay. And you still live out that way? Yeah, yeah, I'm still nice. here. I work down here. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I've I've been down there a couple of times. Once I was storm chasing with the FEMA nice. team, and uh, it was uh, we were down in Goodland is where we ended up, and uh, mm. yeah, there was quite a bit of damage down there. It was it was an interesting interesting trip. Uh, oh yeah. Following Hurricane Harvey and Irma, I think is what it was titled. Yeah, if I remember. Yeah, correctly. there was a couple. There's been a few that have every year. There's well, yeah, I would say every year you guys get a new slew of names, right? Yeah, every year something's going to kill us. Some, something's just going to like last year. I think it was last year or the year before. I don't remember, but that Category Five that was going to hit us, mm. and it was like, and the worst part was was the direct impact was at in the city that I work. And we were all sitting there going, because this thing was going to hit us with whatever it was, 950-mile-an-hour winds, you know, <laughs> literally going to break off Florida, and we're going to float away. But, like, it's coming towards us, and we're all, like, laughing and joking. We're like, we're all going to die. Like, this doesn't end yeah. well for anybody. We all die. Like, <laughs> so, <laughs> thankfully, it didn't work out. Well, those are the reports so. that we hear, right? We're like, man, we got we to gotta go. We're going to go. Yeah. We're going to go rescue some people. This is going to be tremendous. And, and then we get there, and it's just like, hey, there's some palm trees down, and uh, <laughs> for every year, man, dude. right? You know, and look, it's gonna happen. It's like it's, it's a matter of time. It's gonna hit us hard. You know, yeah. the, I say the last like major, major like destructive one that everyone was like, holy crap, because that did hit the keys. It did hit the keys, yeah. and it did it did some massive damage. Um, but you know, it, the last big, big one was Andrew, and but I mean, it leveled Homestead. Like yeah. it leveled it. There was nothing left, well, but that also changed all the building codes. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting <laughs> thing. So I met some folks that had weathered the storm, um, when we were going, doing our door knocks and, um, this family was out there picking up, you know, whatever, all the trash and stuff. And mm-hmm. we talked about the, I, you know, I said, Hey, do you have the storm things? Or, you know, they know we put in these hurricane windows and we watched <laughs> the storm and I'm like, that sounds scary to me. Like, how intimidating is that to watch things? You know, hundred miles an hour smashing into your into your windows and just pray that they hold. I'm like, oh, find out if the warranty's good on these things, right? Like, crazy. Yeah, we're insane. One of the funniest memes I I saw was like, 
you know, the peak of COVID and the, the peak of like <laughs> civil unrest and all this stuff was going on. And now there's a hurricane coming towards us and everyone's like, can 2020 get any worse? <laughs> and some Floridian posted like, out of everything, this is the most normal thing we've dealt with. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, so that brings me to a question, which is, do people, are they just like over it? Like, so when a, when a hurricane's coming, do, are people even, do they even leave town? No. I mean, it, you know, and that's, that's the hardest thing, right? So, like, especially with news reporters, you get this you get this like thing where as the hurricane's coming towards us, they're like, everyone's going to die. Everyone like your houses are going to lift off the ground. Have you seen what is wizard of Oz? That's what's going to happen. Like (laughs) it's just like this huge intense thing about how everyone's going to die. And then nothing happens. Uh, And then it's a whole Peter and the wolf thing, right? Like people are going to be like, Oh, forget it. There's nothing. happening." Yo. yo. And, And I mean, I get it. I get it. They should do that. They should be out there going, dude, prep, prep, get water, do everything you need to do, like prep for this because if it is bad, because we've had, we've had storms, dude, that have been a category three, you know, 12 hours away from hitting us. And then it's now a category five going to kill everybody kind of thing. So, you know, it is possible. So I, over prepping is always good. My only complaint I've ever had with the news is after they know it's BS, they're out there kicking palm fronds. Like, look at the destruction. It is absolutely atrocious. Right. Yeah. That's well, I think that's just journalism. What we get, you know, over here in, in my neck of the woods in Phoenix, you know, we'll mm. get a, you know, a centimeter of rain and you'll see a reporter out there stomping in a puddle, talking about the big storm. And you're like, Come on, man! Like, I mean, you got they got to they got to fill some time on the news, though, right? I get it. So it's the the, the the pace of news journalism. It's crazy. Yeah, but, I get it, bro. You got to create some news, and it's always <laughs> again like it, it's something. But my big thing is this, man. You know, and we don't need to get into a big COVID conversation or anything. But you know, a lot of this stuff, like you just can never find out what the actual truth is with mm. hurricanes or with you know rain or covid or whatever you can never just like where is the truth and what that does is when something bad act like when zombies do actually happen no one's gonna believe it they'll be like hey split people out there with makeup like dude no he just he just ate his head like god come on yeah have you seen that's cgi bro there's no way his head got eaten like right. that's the way that goes man. right exactly yeah it's just a political <laughs> agenda blah 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 blah, blah. <laughs> and it's was he a republican <laughs> 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 Yeah. Well, you know, that really is a, it really is there's a great quote from General Mattis and he says, organizations move at the speed of trust. And so when I think about that, that, yeah, it's a great quote, right? When you think about it in terms of politics, like people are losing trust and and we are not, it it, it creates this divide and I don't care what Mm -hmm. side of the fence you land on, the more divided we are, the weaker we are as a as a nation, as a as a fire department, as a community, whatever, right? Like any individual component of us, when you start spreading us out, we weaken. Yeah. And man, that's oh, yeah. that's the part that bothers me is it's so divisive all this stuff, and people are tugging at the edges of it, and, and it's that part's scary. But and that's where we're at now. And right, I've said this, you right. know, many many people are like, "Well, wh- who are you voting for?" I'm like, I think this is the one year. Or we should just like no one should vote. Like no one go to the polls. Everyone just stare at them. 
And right. like, 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 I mean, I know that would just to probably default in Trump being, you know, president again. But right. you know, it's 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 like it's just it's so sad because no one can trust anyone right. at, at all. And uh, you know, that's a great quote for for firefighting, dude. We all have bosses. We all have, you know, uh, captains or lieutenants where yes. we're like, you are a moron. Like, I don't trust you. You're going to get me killed. So when they say something, everyone's pausing, going like, is this the actual right thing to do? Versus the guy that everyone knows is competent, knows you're doing like, yes. yo, I need you to go jump off that building into that pile of, into those pile of leaves. It's the only way you're going to live. Like, all right, let's do this, bro. I'm jumping. Like, that's, that's what it all comes down to, you know? Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent, man. When I first read that quote, I'm like, this is it. This is totally, and you know, we think about, uh, organizational trust, right. Or, or individual trust. I think about the fire company and the, the four dudes or dudettes that are on that rig together. And if, if there is not trust there, right. And that trust, it starts with, uh, you know, organizationally we are trained the same and blah, 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 blah. Right. Those fundamentals are there. And typically I start with, I trust you all, right? Until you violate that trust. But what if what if you get that call at, you know, the very very beginning of your shift, the career call, and you don't know the cast of characters that you're working with very well. You have an established, you know, rapport or trust or whatever. Man, it weakens the the fabric of that organization that, that your capacity is diminished. Yeah. And um so, you know, at that very simple level of a fire company all the way up to the, you know, the corners of our nation, uh, that trust is is critical, and when it gets violated, man, we're we we're in big trouble. No, and and it's it's super it's super super important to gain that that trust. Um, that's why you know when everyone people use the word brotherhood, right? It's, yeah. It's, it's and but they they always compare it to like a cult kind of thing. Like <laughs> if you need help, then I'll be there. You know that kind of thing, right? Yeah. Like you know we're, we're always here for beers. But, you know, the baseline of brotherhood is trust. It's, yeah. dude, I trust that you will always be there for me, no matter how much we don't like each other in that moment. You, I trust that you'll always be there. Right. And that fabric, I think, is slowly falling apart, uh, you know, through through just really crappy actions, through social media warriors, through just mm. people who genuinely are attempting to build their own careers or character off of the ashes and bones of others. Mm. And, you know, that's where, that's where I believe brotherhood or, or the trust that we've all depended on the reason we got into this, um, you know, why that's all falling apart as, as we watch it, you know? Yeah. That's a, you know, I've heard a lot of chatter about that and I've thought about it, reflected on it myself and thought about the, the empty promises that we make to one another. Right. Hey, mm-hmm. you call somebody up who's in, in distress, you know, Hey man, if you need anything, let me know. And, yeah. and, do you, and, and do you really think that I'm going to reach out to you? Like, mm-hmm. like I'm sitting here hurting and we, you know, we talk about mental health or whatever the need may be instead of just offering that, just go do something for the guy. Right. Yeah. Just go cut their grass or just go show up and sit there in the pit of despair with that guy and just say, Hey man, I don't know what you need, but I'm here. I'm like physically here. Yeah. And then, you know, I went over to a bro's house one day and, um, it's a long story, but he shot himself in the hand and we'll leave it at that. So (laughs) I I went over to his house and I'm like, Hey, you need anything? He's like, nah. So I'm not knock on the door. He opens the door. I'm like, Hey, I just walk on in and went to his fridge and go, what do you got in the fridge, bro? 
And just, I made myself a list and I said, hey, I'll be back. I know you feel like crap. I'm going to go get you some groceries, get you some ice cream. I'll be back. And I'm not, you know, the hero, the hero award goes to rain, right? I'm not, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is I'm slowly learning that, that we have to be very deliberate in building that brotherhood. It's not, you can't just speak to it. You actually have to action on it. You have to actually go out and do things to build it. Um, You got to go on camping trips together. You got to go and build a shed in a guy's yard and, you know, heaven forbid, go do mechanics on a car, guy's car. Yeah. I mean, I'll do it, but (laughs) But I'm not going to like it. But look, I've done that. Like guys have come by and they're like, Hey, my AC is not working in my car. Right, let me look at it. If I can fix it, I fix it. You know, I, I replaced the guy's window regulator one day for him. Yeah. You know, like, like all, all, the guys are like, I got to get my brakes replaced. I'm like, come to the station. I will replace them for <laughs> you. Like, I can, I literally cost you $30 if I do it or, or 200 if someone else does it. So right. I agree with you, man. And you got to sometimes, as weird as it sounds, you got to force yourself. You got to force yourself into that position because – Dude, we're a prideful thing. Every, you know, yes. everything is not, nah, man. I'm the toughest guy around, bro. Like, I don't need your help. Like, okay, yeah, that that case of beer you just drank says the absolute opposite. Like, just right. let's talk, man. It doesn't have to always involve alcohol. It really doesn't, you right. know. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes the conversation needs to not be about anything serious. It just needs to be a yeah. just needs to be a conversation. And just, uh, you know, I, I'm sitting here in this this place with you, and we're just. Mm-hmm being together and i know you just i just don't want you to be alone with your thoughts and your your crazy ideas right now or whatever and um you know that's important it's important that we show each other that we actually care and i think that goes back to what we were talking about trust you know if if you don't actually act on it how how do i know you truly care right so you can say it all day long but if you don't do anything about it it's merely interesting but hey so i want to go back real quick we kind of leapt over it and moved away but you talked about getting your EMT then getting your paramedic. Um, did you, did you serve on a, uh, on an ambulance company or anything like that or go right into the fire service or what was your journey like getting on the job? No. So I went to EMT school, uh, got my EMT. Then I went into medic school and I went to my, my boss when I was a mechanic and I was like, Hey, look, um, I can't work weekends anymore. I'll work Monday through Friday but I can't do weekends because I have to do ride times. I had to do, I do every Saturday, Sunday, I had to right. do ride times. Free clinicals or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, I can't do it. And he's like, Hey man, you know, I can't, I'm sorry, but you know, I can't let you do that. I'm like, what? Like, what do you mean you can't let me do that? He's like, yeah. He goes, but here, listen, listen, I'll make you a service rider. Make good money. Instead of going to that paramedic school, I'm like, you are not a good person. I'm out of here. So I left uh, and I worked uh, I worked doing some – oh, I was a uh, – uh, delivered Chinese food for a little bit and then uh, eventually got a job at um, AMR. Worked at AMR for a year, then got my medic, then did about another year and got about two years of good experience uh, at AMR, which, you know – a lot of people make fun of AMR private ambulance companies, but yeah. for me, it was huge. It was huge because I got experience that not a lot of people got. I learned how to speak on a radio properly. You know, I, I learned how to talk to patients properly. I learned how to lift stretchers. I learned how to, you know, assess patients, see when patients were actually critical or not. Whether you're doing inner facility stuff, sling lizards, whatever you're doing, right. um, you know, you're like, you learn how to genuinely understand. I learned how to read drugs properly, start IVs, like, all these things that people make fun of, but when I walked in, when I got hired, 
I, when I went through my preceptorship, was fine. I had no issues talking to patients. And as a preceptor now, the number one thing, the number one issue I have as a preceptor is when um, I get new new medics. They don't understand how to talk to people. Like they 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 come up and they read down this list of things like uh, uh, you have chest pain. Uh, how long is it? Like, no, stop. Talk to the person. Ask them, hey, how's your day going? What's going on? What started all this? You know, like, yeah. what were you doing? Oh, I just took six Viagras and I was trying to go for a mile run. Oh, OK, you're going to die. Like. You know, like, like those, those, like people just didn't understand how to talk to people. And I got all that practice, a live practice through two years of working at AMR, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah, it, it is interesting though. A lot of people kind of poo poo that pathway, but yet, you know, when you are a brand new EMT, getting into the fire service is incredibly competitive and it's a great mm-hmm. place for a young person to get a good start. And you're, you're making, you know, you're allied to the fire service. And if you truly want to be a fireman, uh, then that is a pathway to take. Right. And it's a legit entry point. And I think to your point, there is a lot of valuable experience that comes out of it. Yeah. And it's all what you want to make of it. Right. But they would always make fun. They would always say like, all you're doing is like facility transports from, you know, nursing homes into the hospitals. Do you know where my freaking what my best calls were my or my worst calls i guess were all from nursing home to hospital every single one of them mm-hmm. i had cu- a couple strokes a couple heart attacks i you know i had a, a full cardiac arrest like right. i mean i got genuine experience and you know you just make the best of it but the biggest thing is people are just afraid to talk to other people or assess them dude when you're doing inner facility transports, you have more than enough time to just talk to someone. You learn about all drugs. You learn the way people's skin look when they're on certain things. Like right. it's all good stuff. So you make the yeah. best of it. Well, let me let me ask you this: Do you feel like, and this is a bit of a uh, a leading question, I guess? <laughs> I have a thought in my head. Do you feel like <laughs> um, people are don't take EMS, the EMS portion of the work that we do, seriously? I wouldn't say they don't take it seriously. Um, do they, you know, this is always the big thing. Why do you guys enjoy fire more than EMS? Well, because we never get fire. That's why. Like, we never get to fight fire, or at right. least this, a lot of a lot of the United States doesn't. So, at least just not in the to, quantity that any one individual would love to have. Right? Yeah, you know, and it's and it's like you know. And, uh, people are really sensitive about, oh, why are you happy that somebody's house burned down? We're not happy somebody's house burned down. But you know what? We're happy to get there really fast to make sure only a quarter of it burns down versus the entire thing. Like, right. like let's think of it that way. So, right. um, but I don't, I, I think that people, when you, when we go to calls, when they're genuine, like emergency calls, no one hates EMS. Everybody loves it because it's like, dude, I get to help this person. I get to give them, you know, this this low presser, I get to give them the the adenosine or atropine or, or whatever we're giving them, and I get to physically watch them get better. So, I mean, that is so satisfying to be able yeah. to do. But when you run 80% BS, you know, you literally show up there and they look at you and idolate look at me. She goes, she goes, my doctor called and said my labs were bad. So can you give me a ride to this hospital? I'm like, that hospital's 45 minutes away. Well, that's where he wants me to go. Like, all right, whatever. Get in the freaking ambulance. So um, that's um, – I think that's that's where people get burnt is, you know, there's just – that's why you see ER doctors completely burnouts because 
people are literally going in the hospitals to get pregnancy tests because yeah. they don't want to go to the hospital and buy it. Or I'm sorry, go to the, the, the store, store and buy yeah. it. Yeah. So it's like, there's a reason behind it, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think what we're talking about is the, there's some symptoms of a bigger problem in, in medicine in general. Right. And, mm-hmm. and what we do, you know, we provide a public service to our communities and at some point we are providing every aspect of that public service, right? Particularly on yeah. the, the, the medical side. And it feels like it's a, a bit of an, an overuse um, oh. of the system. And it's stretching the system to a point where it's beyond its actual practicality. So I think that, you know, and I know agencies are doing this. Everyone's looking at how do we do this differently? Can we educate the public to to use 911 more appropriately? Can we provide telemedicine? Can we provide nurse triage? Like what are some different things that we can do to um, more appropriately provide the service? Because I think everyone agrees that we need to have an agency that is available to provide emergent services, right? Um, I, yeah. don't, I don't think anybody would argue with that. But at the same time, at what point are you using the system inappropriately? Yeah, I mean, we talked about community medicine is, is what, we're discuss- mm-hmm. or what we're discussing right now. And, you know, and I get it, man. The problem is, is that life is not as simple as like black and white, right? Yeah. Like you can't just tell people don't call 911 because then when they don't call 911, you show up to a DOA guy yeah. dead for two days. Like, why didn't you call 911? Well, they said if it was chest pain for too long a period of time, I shouldn't call like, like what? what? Or it was leg pain. Like, Oh, that's because you have a giant DVT in your leg right now. Like, <laughs> like, like, like yeah. It's just, it's just not, it's just not that simple. So yes, right. getting people to understand what the purpose behind 911 is, but at the same time, what it really comes down to is that until you do community medicine, until you have an alternative ambulance showing up helping people, the the, the system will get abused. But then you look at the opposite side of that, man. Like, guess what? It, because the system gets abused, there's a there's a higher need for us. And because there's a higher need for us, we all have jobs. So like, it's such a catch 22. Yeah. Well, that's and that's part of the the argument all the time is, hey, man, just be happy you have a job. Right? Dude, yes. and, I, and I'm down. Yes. I get it. Like we have we have a, a wonderful job to do. And the there is a very delicate balance between the any any individual agency's ability to provide service and then running the members of your organization into the ground and that that you have to balance that because it's you know if you're running like you said 80 percent nonsense all day long Mm -hmm. you're like at some point you are going to it's kind of the whole you know crying wolf thing that we talked about a minute ago like at some point you you get people who become complacent because they never get the legit call and their skills get you know, there's all these different variables that play into it, right? You lose time for training you're, or you're not taking the time for training because you're getting wiped out. And these are all organizational leadership problems that feed into this. But mm-hmm. I think also we have to figure, we have to talk about how we do this business um, in order to keep people inspired and focused and, um, and directed in the right way, right? When you have these people who are high, uh, high octane type A, you know, overachievers and they're doing lift assists all day long. It's yeah. A, it's a little demoralizing, right? Like you have the wrong guy for the job, so to speak. Yeah, dude, no, a hundred percent. We, we, it, you know, we had a, a, a lady that called two to three times a day, every day, like mm. every single day. And it was all BS. 
And eventually, we, you know, we go to our, our EMS, uh, you know, chiefs and stuff, and we're like, yo, what the – like, come on. Do something about this. This is ridiculous. Right. So – and they, they did. You know, there, there's an education thing, and um, it, I agree, man. It, it just comes down to, the, like, where is that balance? But also – having higher ups administrative you know your white shirts that when you look at them and you go dude do something about this this is ridiculous that they actually listen to you they go okay like right. all right well, let's see what we can right. do about this yeah you know yeah no i think it's you know when we start having those conversations right you have to you have to provide a thoughtful well-considered argument for what you're doing and you have to present an alternative. It's not yes. enough to just come in and go, well, this is total bull crap. I'm not, yeah. I'm, I am exhausted and I don't want to do this anymore. Well, Hey, you <laughs> did volunteer to be here. So you could, <laughs> you could find another job, right? That's an option for you. Um, well, or you can provide a solution, which I think at the end of the day, is kind of what I'm trying, what I'm targeting toward here is this idea that we, you know, we have to be open-minded and thoughtful and we have to find ways to do business that serves the community better right and yeah. it's you're right right now we we run these calls and you you get worn out running you know knee pains and and not and what feels like nonsense and you're like mm-hmm. hey man you're stripping me away from the real emergencies and uh and that may be true <laughs> and uh yeah. you know but you know the <laughs> the balance of that has to happen and we have to find alternative ways to provide service to people in our community but, I agree. My, yeah. my chief, my chief had an amazing saying. It was always, "There's enough problem finders in the world. We need some more uh, solution finders." There you go. And, and I'm like, "Yeah, that's that's money, bro. That's yeah. absolutely money." Because you're right, right? You got to walk in and go. Listen, we can't run if we're running all this BS. Well, here's a. Oh yeah, that sounds great. How how does how do we work this? Oh well, we can charge. Ins- we can run this code on insurances. Then you'll get this. It's also additional money for the community. Also more money back to the fire department. Oh man, that's a great idea. You know, but, right? But, you know, they're happy. <laughs> so speaking of happy, uh, your videos uh, make people happy. <laughs> How's that for a segue? Thank you. That's good. That's good. That's good. <laughs> so, um, so let me ask you, man. Like, I know that in the fire service, we have a uh, a interesting sense of humor at times. And, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think it's, I think what you're doing with, uh, fire department chronicles is, is fantastic because you're, it's, it's fun to shed a light on the goofy, silly stuff that we do. And some of the idiosyncrasies of the org of the world that we live in. Um, and so let me ask, so start off with, tell me, how did you kind of fall into that path? Like what, what was, what caused you to start making these videos? I honestly, man, we just started messing around with the station, bro. We like we're messing around, kind of the same thing that every single fire department does across the world, uh, you know, or at least at least they'll, if they want to admit to it. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, we're all like screwing around, filming each other. We started off National Geographic's Fire Department Edition, and uh, walked in there, and we're like, you know, <clears throat> we were hunting for the battalion chief, and we were saying how is uh the bigger the stomach you know the more gnarly they are and then um <laughs> which is true and then the bigger the mustache you know you gotta watch the mustache to see how uh dangerous they are that kind of thing so um we uh we put that one out people laughed then we put out a couple more and um we um so we hold on wait my girlfriend's talking in the background. Now we got to cut that whole thing out. Thanks a lot. 
Yeah, thanks a lot, babe. You know what? Just. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'll restart that. <laughs> um, uh, so, where was uh, where, where, where was I? You're talking oh, about uh, mustaches. Oh yeah. So, so we start talking about. Let me get up there. Sorry. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm on. Like I said, uh, I'll, I'll tell you this and I'll restart. I, I do like 97 podcasts a week, and so my poor girlfriend always has to be quiet whenever she's walking around <laughs> her own home. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, so we got this uh, the battalion chief, and um, <clears throat> we, uh, uh, you know, we're hunting for the challenge. He's got a big belly, you know, the monarchy they are, and the, the mustache, and he's, uh, you know, the <laughs> as we're approaching him, we're like poking him with a stick. And I start pointing at this mustache. I'm like, you have to watch for the mustache because when it flares, it, it, you know they're attacking you. And he like it flares up his mustache, comes out. So we had a good time. So we put it out there. We had a good time. Got a few views on it. Um, but what like really took it off was we put out a video about the natural mating call for paramedics, which was bitching. <laughs> um, so the whole thing was just about how paramedics do nothing but bitch. And, you know, and it's like a hundred percent true because I do it, that kind of thing. Right. Um, and, um, it got like a hundred thousand views in eight hours. We were like, Holy shit, this is amazing. Like really, really cool. And then it took off, man. And just, uh, it's kind of been a fun journey ever since kind of thing. And, People genuinely seem to enjoy it. That's the only reason I keep making them because when yeah. they write me finally and they're like, dude, please stop. I'll be like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, did you, did you get any, any flack or pushback anywhere? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The first, uh, the first, um, I would say the, like there wasn't a ton. It was mainly positive, but then you get your, your, weekend warriors stuff like that or, or the the people that just have nothing better to do than to mess you know that you're, you're online trolls and stuff yeah but i think what happened and i'm not like taking credit for this in any way shape or form i think it was just luck was i think i kind of because it's been pg-13 since day one you know i'm not i don't you know i don't show my department you know i don't do anything like that and, right. and it's all stuff that it's family friendly so it's funny, man. Now when I go to places and people talk about social media policies, like they they compare their social media policies to fire department chronicles. It's mm. hysterical. I'm like, did I like have I set a precedence for the way to actually pull this off? Yeah. Um, and the answer is the answer is no. Don't do it. <laughs> I, I got lucky, but um, you know, it, it's um, it's just funny to see, like, you know, I got a lot of flack from people online because they were like, you're disrespecting the, you're disrespecting who we are as firefighters, so on and so forth. Mm. I'm like, no, I'm not. Like, this is, this is humor for us. You know why people find it funny? Because it's true. Because everything that I'm talking about is true because I do it. You know what I mean? Right. right. So like, <laughs> but I don't show, like, I don't show the real dark humor, um, you know, unless I can do it in a funny way, but because dark humor is hysterical, but we, what people do wrong a lot of times is they put the, in the firehouse humor on the internet. And you want still, once you do that, you're getting fired. That's, right. that's a definitely a bad one. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a line there that you can't cross and you have to be very careful with that. Cause it's, that's what, what guys struggle with, right. Is understanding what's funny to the real world versus yeah. uh, what's funny to you and your boys in the house, right? Like that yeah. there's a line there you can't cross. And the, you know, you talk about social media policies. And I think what's interesting is we're seeing the, 
like, you know, 10, 15 years ago, social media was barely a thing and, Mm -hmm. and people really struggled with, and by people, I mean, organizations, right. And, and the people in those organizations really struggled with how do you share some of these thoughts and ideas that could be perceived as damaging or it's an it's just an image of us having fun quote unquote right with air quotes in the yeah air. and oh well, you know can you justify doing that on duty and, and there's these um you know like guys making workout videos or things like that that you're like this is a positive image but yes but people perceive it as negative because well they're at work well if you can explain how this works that they're there for 24 or 48 hours or whatever mm-hmm. that they, you know, they live there. It's an opportunity to help explain who we are and what we do. Um, yes. You know, so some of the, the fun making things that are maybe just a little bit more comical again, it's just, uh, 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 shines a light on this side of what we do. That is just. Yeah. And what a lot of people don't realize is that <clears throat> unless it's a Saturday or Sunday, um, most of us, or at least in my department, Monday through Friday, you have things you have to do. Like, you know, every day has a specific additional chore on top of the regular duties that you're doing when you walk in. And then, you know, you got to check the truck out. You got to do a bunch of stuff. There's probably training that day. Then, you know, if you have a captain that's like, today we are cleaning every single piece of chrome. And then you're out there waxing trucks and doing stuff. So it's not like we come in and sit on the recliners and do whatever we want. So it's just, just it's not the way it is. So right. these guys, you know, I do my favorite argument ever. The, my favorite thing for people to say is I can't believe you guys work out on duty. Don't you have better things to do? Well, please explain to me what you would rather me be doing. You want me to be a fat piece of crap? Like, is that, is that what you want? Like, you want me to just not work out? And then when you're trapped 800 feet inside your house, it's a decent sized house, but you're trapped yeah. 800 feet inside your house. Like, you want me to not be able to get in there because I'm not exercising on ship? Like, what? What's the alternative here? Like, right. it's just people. People love. They just love to complain, man. It's their right. favorite thing. Their entire identity is based off of complaining about other people. That's, you know? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. There's, there's a lot of. Uh, it's a reflection of people's insecurity. Yes. So they they're insecure in their own career and jobs and lives and what have you, and so they they want to strip down everybody else. Yes. Yeah. A hundred percent. No, that's funny, man. It's that's so <laughs> it's just a, a quirky part of human beings, right? They're just looking for a way to tear apart everyone else for some dumb reason. I don't get it. But the. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I get it. It's satisfying sometimes to like, you know, rip on somebody. But at the same time, <laughs> if that's your like, we all know it, bro. It's one of our favorite pastimes is sitting around the dinner table shitting on somebody. Like, yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> you're right. You're absolutely right. I, I do see the joy in that. <laughs> yeah. You know, but like, but I just think that, you know, that's why, man, I got to tell you, there's been many, I always see people, people ask, say like, what is it like when someone writes a negative comment on your video? Like, depending on what they write, it is hurtful. But the one thing I always, the one thing that always pops in my head is, bro, how bad, where is this person at in their life mm-hmm. that they actually took the time to click comments, write an entire whatever BS they wrote, and then still hit go, like enter? Like, that's, right. man, you're not in a good place, bro, you know? Right. Yeah, you have a lot, a lot of empty spare time on your hands. <laughs> I, like yeah. I, I I will waste as much time as anybody just trolling through Instagram <laughs> or Facebook, but I rarely 
make a comment. I don't, I don't have yeah. the bandwidth. Like I could give a crap. And yeah. um, if it's something stupid, I'm like, click next. Like I move on, man. Like I, yeah. I, I don't understand where people have the time to spit vitriol like that. It just doesn't make sense to me. And, but I uh, think that's that same, you know, like I said about the whole, like going to Eagle Academy, I was in a bad place. I yeah. think that's what happens, bro. Like people just get in shitty ruts and they can't like, they're just, it's just nonstop at that point. It's yeah. just this, like self-deprecating crap shoots. And then, you know, next thing you know, they're, you know, in their mom's face and eating lasagna, drinking beers and trolling people. I'm right. Like, Man, no, <laughs> no, no, there's a, there's this speaker, uh, gal by the name of Brene Brown. And, mm-hmm. uh, she's like, people are just doing the best that they can. Yeah. And I'm like, mm, I get it, but man, that makes me, it makes me <laughs> nauseous a little bit. Cause I'm like, you know, no, you might be doing the best that you can, but you can strive to do better. <laughs> yeah. We need to be more striving and less accepting yeah. of the fact that you're doing the best you can. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So, um, so take me take me to this next level. So now you're you you started getting involved with uh, fire department coffee, and mm-hmm. and I know that's a that's a that's a cool deal. So tell me what you're you know how this kind of worked for you and and how you got involved with that and what you're doing what you guys are doing. No, absolutely. So uh, Luke Schneider, the CEO, uh, we're about to get hit by a hurricane. We're talking about hurricanes before, and um, I put up this video about how. Cafe Bustello was the only thing that was going to stop me from killing everybody in my place or everyone from killing each other because they take 35 of us and stick us in one in one station together. So we uh, I put this video up and someone tags Fire Department Coffee like you should you should work with this guy. So Luke and I start talking and uh, he's like, hey, man, I want to I want to work with you. And I was like, all right, let's say before we do anything, send me the coffee. I want to try it. So sends me this coffee and it's money, man. I loved it. Like the stronger I made it, the better it tasted, which was the opposite of half the coffees I had uh, been involved with um, and or at least tried. And uh, <clears throat> he's like, let's do this, dude. And um, I went out to Illinois, uh, Rockford, Illinois. And met him and we were talking and he's like, I want to make you part of the company. He's like, but I want you to only work with us. That's like exclusivity. You're not going to work with other people. And at first I was like, because I just got into this, man. I was like, man, I have a lot of potential. I can do some cool stuff. I was like, you know what? Let's do this. So signed the exclusivity agreements and uh, we started working together, bro. And uh, now I'm the vice president. Uh, I own a, I'm a co-owner in the company. And cool. We just let, you know, it was one of those things where you kind of took a leap. I took a leap of faith to get involved with a company that I knew was incredible. I knew like we, we spent the whole day together before we talked to any business and just our thought processes were exactly the same, man. We wanted to build a foundation within uh, fire department coffee, the fire department coffee foundation. You know, we wanted to give back to community. We give back 10% of all net proceeds to, to uh, sick and injured first responders. And we want to create good, high-quality coffee at, at good prices, you know. But our prices for, for first responders are some of the best you'll find out there, especially in our wholesale models and stuff. Nice. That's cool, man. Absolutely. That's a neat uh, a neat transition, a neat way to take, you know, this talent that you've that you developed, I'm sure, from childhood. <laughs> your, trauma. Your, childhood your, trauma. No. Your comedic <laughs> look on life, right? And it's uh, – and uh, and then you you know parlay that into a into a, a business relationship later in life. That's badass, man. 
I think I think it, it was a big testament on, um, you know, sometimes you, you, you look at stuff because the, the girl that I was dating at the time actually told me not to do it. Mm. She goes, don't she goes, don't don't sign that. Don't don't do exclusivity like you could ha- you could have so much better of a deal later. And I was like, you know what, man, they just it's I think it speaks volumes to invest in something, not just say, mm-hmm. how fast can I make money off of this? Like to say, like, you know what? Uh, let's, let's let's I'm going to sign a five year contract with you guys saying that this is what I'm going to do and I'm going to invest in that. And within 18 or within a year, you know, w- we've discovered that we work so well together that we have created this company, this, this you know, really good growing company together, because instead of just saying how much money can you give me? I said, I'm actually going to invest my myself into this. And, right. and I think that's I think that's what a lot of people should try doing. It's not all about the instant satisfaction. Like mm. put put some long term thoughts into it, you know. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense too because now as a partnership, you're actually more you're more committed, you're more yeah. invested in the project and, and more invested in you know the project or the company or what have you. And um, yeah, there's something to be said for that. That's really that's fantastic. What absolutely? Uh, so what's on the horizon for you? What do you uh, what can we look forward to seeing next? Um, I just I just found out yesterday that I am going to be the official spokesperson of Ford. Um, I'm kidding; that would be incredible. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, no, we uh, Fire Department Coffee. We got some actually some super exciting stuff coming out in the next three months, um, and uh, I don't want to say anything about it yet. But uh, right. some re- yeah, some very cool stuff that I think uh, it'll it'll hit a market that we haven't hit before. And will be very, 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 very cool for a lot of people. I'm, I'm actually super excited about it. Um, uh, Twenty, I think 2021 is going to be. Uh, I'm already slotted to be um, the keynote speaker or uh, or one of the speakers. I believe it's going to be keynote at one of them um, for some pretty major chiefs conferences and other large conferences. So, um, probably, yeah, it's going to be fun. I, I got into keynote speaking last or uh, in 2018. Did a few of them. Loved it. Thought it was very, very cool. And um, I was yeah, actually I was supposed gonna, to do about I was going to say COVID kind of wiped out public speaking for <laughs> dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing a lot of virtual stuff. Like actually, EMS one, uh, EMS one. I'm sorry, EMS World has their conference this year, mm-hmm. their virtual conference. If you when you go on there, um, the virtual break room is all my videos. So no it, it's cool. Like yeah, and then um, I'm also doing uh, a virtual Chiefs conference this year, speaking at that. So. Dude, I, I was supposed to, um, uh, what was it, April, April, May, and early June, I was like gone every weekend, either speaking at this Heroes Cup thing that I run, or that I, uh, that I um, host, um, I was supposed to meet Gary Sinise, like, you know, like all this stuff, and I'll just go, yeah, what a shit show 2020's been. Yeah. Well, yeah. but everyone keeps going. Twenty twenty one is going to be awesome. I'm like, are you sure? Because we thought twenty twenty was going to be awesome. Yeah, I'm. <laughs> I'm not willing to put any money on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me either. What um, if 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 folks haven't? Well, let me ask you before I ask you that. What? Uh, tell me, what is your of of the content that you've put out, your videos and whatnot? What is your personal favorite? <sighs> One of my, honest to God, probably one of my favorites was, um, what if, what if firefighter, what if paramedics had to try all the drugs before we could give them? Mm. I don't know if you saw that one, dude, but that was probably one of my favorites, dude. That, um, 
I've enjoyed uh, reaction my reaction videos lately. I've enjoyed making those, um, like reacting to guys on YouTube saying that firefighters suck or you know the yeah. TV shows that they put out there. W- one of them, one of them, they literally did a thoracotomy in the truck driving. I was like, that's not Damn. okay. That, that's called murder. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, but those, yeah, those have probably been my more favorite ones lately. I've really, really enjoyed them. Nice. That's cool, man. Yeah. Hey, so Absolutely. where, where can people, uh, if they haven't already seen your stuff, where would they find <laughs> you on social media? So, uh, Facebook, Instagram, uh, and then, uh, also YouTube now, I'm actually growing that. I may actually hit a hundred thousand followers on YouTube soon. That's going to be fun to give you a little silver play button. Uh, <laughs> and then I am, uh, I know everyone's going to make fun of me, but I'm on the old TikTok. What? Really fun, so yeah, <laughs> dude, I, I tell you, man, TikTok is, it's been the devil. It's been bane, the bane to, um, firefighting's existence, um, you <laughs> well, know, cause people doing their thing uh, or the opposite, obviously. Um, but, uh, there are some super talented people on there that have done like, I don't know if you're on there or not. Are you? I'm not, I've seen some videos, but mostly people making fun of people that have done videos. So it's, <laughs> you know, it's that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's uh, it's interesting to me. I think that if you any one of these platforms, if you bring some thought and and some production to it before you go on it, yeah, and, you know, some thought and consideration into what you're putting on there in production, you could do some really cool stuff um, in any of those platforms. But but yes. you're just up there doing, you know, I don't know. There's some dumb stuff up there, <laughs> and it's just dumb. But you know, well, you, you don't get the shareability on any other platform. That's what happened with TikTok. TikTok's algorithms allowed people to put up videos really fast uh, without any thought process behind it, and then get a ton of shares on it. I so see. it was it was just magnified. And and yeah, trust me, I saw somewhere I was like, no, 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 don't do that. Yeah, but yeah, it is what it is. Oh, man. Man. <laughs> so that's uh, so it. Fire Department Chronicle still, or is it Fire Department Coffee, or is it the two? Are yeah. they both? No, it's, they're essentially the, they're the same. But Fire Department Coffee and Chronicles on on all those Facebook, uh, Instagram, LinkedIn. If any chiefs want to get a hold of me, that kind of thing. Um, and then uh, all the other well, YouTube and uh, TikTok. Um, and then if you want to get some wonderful coffee, it's Fire Department Coffee or Fire D E P T Coffee dot com, or just Google us. And if you use code Jason. You get fifteen percent off. So. There you go, boom. Mm-hmm. Well, brother, I appreciate you taking the time to uh, sit and rap and share a little bit about what you're doing, and um, it's an inspiration, I, man. I appreciate it. No, thank you, brother. I appreciate you having me on here, man. I've definitely had a great time. Absolutely, thanks, man. Hey, that's all we got for today, Jason. Special thanks, man, for sitting down and rapping with me. Appreciate your time. Those of you who are tuning into the podcast, thank you for listening. Uh, If you have any comments or thoughts or well wishes, feel free to reach out uh, to uh, me via email or through Instagram or whatever platform you'd like to reach out on. Uh, I can be available and I appreciate your feedback. Now, go on out there and get some.